Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Hey everybody, James Shepard here. Just want to welcome you to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Today we have an episode lined up for you that has a lot of variety in it. So we kick it off with an interview uh, and this interview is all about cash discounting and really just what we would call traditional cash discounting. Uh, you know, what's, what's most common in the industry right now. And we talk about why it works and we specifically talk about building teams around cash discounting. So it's a really interesting episode, uh, interview there. Then we move over to the insiders report where Patty gives us an update on the payroll protection program and the new guidelines that you're definitely going to want to share with your merchants. Uh, and then we finish it off with one of my most interesting questions in the field so far, I think. We started off the, the thing talking about um, ISV integrations and how to work with local um, POS providers, not against them, and how to form those partnerships. But it was really funny. We actually ended up talking a lot about personal development and confidence and relationship building. And so really an interesting one for those of you that are selling and you want to get this information to make sure that you're building those relationships. So I'm so excited about the episode today. Let's dive into our interview with Chris from Swipe for free. All right, everybody, I am here today with Chris Benabu. Chris is the co-founder and the COO at a company called Swipe for Free. How are you doing today, Chris? Great. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to be on, James. Absolutely. We're happy to have you. So, um, Chris and I are going to dig into the process of recruiting and activating green agents or you know agents that don't have industry experience, um, talk about leveraging cash discounting for that purpose. So we've got a lot to talk about, but before we do that, Chris, I would love to get your story. How in the world did you end up in this crazy industry that we're in and, and then, of course, uh, creating Swipe for free? Give us a little bit of your background. So I actually started out as a merchant. Uh, me and my business partners many years ago, uh, almost about 20 years ago, we were in uh, the cellular phone industry. Uh, we owned 21 retail locations. So uh, at the time, as we were expanding, you know, five, six, seven locations, we would typically just pick up the phone and call at the time uh, the relationship, the person that we had to, that provided us with credit card processing services. Uh, obviously, the, the initial introduction for location one was through a friend. Sure. And then as we expanded, we would just call the gentleman and he would ship over a terminal and we would plug and play. Right. So um, back then, uh, we actually became friendly because we were growing and growing, opening more locations. And uh, we finally got, had an opportunity to sit down with him over lunch. To be honest, we had a couple of drinks and we asked him, we said, you know, what, what kind of commission do you earn uh, per account? Because coming from the cellular phone background, we were used to just counting commission. And he said, no, this is a residualized business. To be honest, at the time, I had no idea what a residual was. And I said, well, you know, what does that mean? And he simply explained that, you know, we basically earn a percentage of your total processing volume. At that point, I was, I was blown away. Right. Then I asked him the great question is, hey, how much are you making on my 21 locations? When he told me it was about four and a half grand, at that point, I stood up and I said, <laughs> you don't do anything. I said, keyword, you don't do anything other than, you know, you ship me a terminal. And then occasionally, if I have a question about a batch, I give you a call and that's pretty much it. So at that point, I, I, me and my partners were hooked. We said, right. we need to get into the residual industry. Uh, retail is, was a super tough lifestyle. Um, and we wanted, we knew that, you know, at the time our future would be, uh, you know, the future would be better with residual income. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. So 
how long ago was that? Like, when did you guys start up? Uh, you know, I know you have a couple different companies along the way and different brands, but how long ago did you jump into this industry? That was uh, late 2006. We actually uh, officially were incorporated and opened our operation, our shop in 2007. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. So you've been, uh, was that about 13 years now in the industry? Yep. And uh, I've witnessed quite a change, quite, <laughs> quite an evolution. Probably several changes like along the way. It's an interesting right? time to be in this business. Oh my goodness. We've seen a lot of changes in the last decade or two. A hundred percent. I mean, I call it the golden ages when I, when I, when I got into the industry. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> it was, you know. it was, yep. and now we're at is it that... and, and it still yeah. is. It still is. No, yep. I mean, yep. well, the point of, uh, of this call, I, I mean, and, and what I would love to just put out there is in my professional career, uh, I've been in several industries, again, been in this for over 13 years. This is the greatest opportunity that I personally have witnessed, and I'm trying at, 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 with all full energy to take full opportunity of yep. this. Right Absolutely. Now. So so let's yeah. let's dig into this a little bit, Chris. So, you know, I, I really think most of our audience, you know, understands you know, at some level, the value of being able to activate a green agent. But let's clarify, we're talking about an agent that has sales experience. They were selling cars or insurance or houses, and they come into the merchant services industry. It's kind of the holy grail. If you can activate those agents, you know, that are maybe not looking for quite as high a, a payout and, and, you know, they're more exactly. willing to kind of do what you want and things like that. It's, it's great. Um, but it's definitely been a very big challenge for a lot of ISOs. So at a high level, can you kind of frame this conversation for us, Chris, and talk about the challenges of getting these agents going that are new to the industry, and then maybe also touch on why cash discounting has helped you to overcome some of these challenges? Well, yeah, great question. So I'm going to start with just telling you that the struggle that I used to deal with, uh, and I'm going to call it traditional, which we're all familiar in the industry, sure. when they were the traditional times, um, it was almost for myself and for my team kind of sad to even push people into the training class and things like that, knowing that uh, the, the, the amount of time that it would actually take for them to truly make a, make a living, to really make good money. Right. So, the, so what cash discounting has done was able to introduce new individuals into the industry, right, and for them to quickly make uh, a, a sufficient income to, to survive and support their families. Um, so uh, at, at the end of the day, uh, traditional just was incredibly difficult. I had to, I had to teach pricing methods and let's just put it like this 50% of my classes or the training classes would walk out once we went into basis points and things like that. So right, what yeah. cash discounting has done is completely allow me to not focus on pricing, uh, rate analysis, side-by-side -side analysis, and all this truly complicated stuff. It's really just simpl simplified the industry. Uh, it gives the ability of any person who's confident, has sales experience, uh, and is just willing to go out there to just pay attention to what is the opportunity, you know, and, and to tell you the truth, if you just watch the news in general and just listen to the struggles of merchants now, and you literally just write down what the newspapers and the, and the, the media is saying, you will become a, a cash discount sales rep. Um, right. So it, it's literally, I mean, I was just watching, and I, and I hate to go offline, but it's this important. I was yeah. just watching an MSNBC uh, you know, a review where a woman came on, a, a Michigan business owner. She was actually in charge of uh, a, the, a, a beauty salon group, very big association. And she asked a group of panelists, I won't mention who, very successful multi-millionaire billionaire people. And she said, key question, how do I get rid of my credit card processing fees? And nobody could give her the answer. They wow. all gave her call PayPal, call Square, call these uh -huh. guys, and, and, they'll, and they'll help you out. 
and nobody knew. So what I simply realized is all you really need to do is get a group of individuals educated on what is cash discounting, of course, compliance, really just get them confident in, in explaining to the business owner what they already know and what they're already going through, okay, and then just go out there and sell. So the answer is it's completely simplified the, the ability to train. Uh, I, don't, I don't have to spend hours and hours and weeks and weeks going into pricing, interchange explanation, tiered, and, uh, you know, the good old days, ERR. I don't have to talk about any of that stuff we simply honestly educate them on what is the opportunity, how do you present this product the correct way, the compliant way, and then we get into my company's rules and regulations regarding you know, compensation and all that stuff. So we don't truly have to focus so much like we used to on, on understanding uh, what is pricing. And I think that's what made it so attractive to bring in so many new people in, into the industry. Interesting. What a, but what about recruiting, Chris? Uh, I was just wondering, um, you know, where are you finding agents that have sales experience but not necessarily merchant sales experience? And, and how do you determine, you know, where the right fit is, what the right can, who the right candidate might be? So what I've been successful with is looking for individuals that for their current career, they already have relationships with, with business owners. They're trusted. Mm -hmm. So we team up with... Uh, insurance agents, whether they sell, you know, medical coverage to business owners, life insurance agents are amazing, uh, typically successful people own businesses. So they, you know, their clients are business owners. Sure. Um, we've, we've, tr we've broken into any aggressive sales group. I mean, we have solar salesmen, obviously, uh, some of them were doing really well and now, now, not so much. Um, we're actually tapping into industries now that sadly due to the pandemic, they're just not doing well. So we're actually taking existing sales teams of other industries. I'll give you an example. I just converted a, a mortgage company into selling swipe for free. So you wow. just really need to find yeah, an aggressive group of people uh -huh. that are willing to learn right. and uh, you, you just train them. And since they already, you know, they know sales and they're organized because obviously it's all about following up and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, you can introduce people into the industry. I actually, and I know my competitors are listening, but I'm going to give some good advice. There is a whole group of individuals called expense reduction consultants. And that is something that we've, we've been doing really well with. These are people that are hired by big corporations to help them save money. And what's uh -huh. better than introducing cash discounting? Sure, sure. Yeah, and plus he's That's really those... interesting. <clears throat> I didn't realize there was a whole category of people who specialized in expense reduction. I guess that's a specialty exactly. within, within uh, finance, right? Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a really good one. And, you know, Chris, even going back to the previous question and kind of framing this, I mean, you know, one of the reasons I've been so bullish on cash discounting and and I, I think, frankly, one of the reasons that some of the more traditional ISOs that haven't embraced these concepts of passing the cost on to the consumer through various methods, one of the reasons they're so baffled by the success, it's like, well, eventually this is going to go away and this isn't going to work very well. And they're looking at it from the framework of how are the merchants going to respond? How are the consumers going to respond? And, you know, the response has been great. But I think the part that they're maybe missing is the huge advantage or an additional advantage that ISOs have, like like Swipe for Free and many, many others, <clears throat> is that, as you said, they're, you know, you're able to bring all these people in that the traditional ISO really just isn't able to activate. You know, they're, they're activating one out of 50. You're activating, you know, one out of two or one out of three probably. And so, you know, the the, the huge advantage is distribution. You know, you can get a sales exactly. team up and running a lot faster. Hit right? it on the nose. 
Yep. So, I mean, you're hitting it on the nose. So that's what I call it now. I, what I'm simply just telling people uh, is I'm looking for distribution. That's, mm -hmm. that's, pretty, that's pretty much it. And to tell you the truth, if you really think about it, especially now with, with what's going on, it's, it's, I don't even teach the people to sell anymore. I teach them that they're providing a service. Because ultimately, mm -hmm. by, by eliminating credit card and debit card processing fees, all right, and giving them things like contactless equipment, you're actually providing them a service. So it's, I really, it, yes, ultimately, of course, it is a sale. But if, if, my, if my, one of my representatives is walking into your business and they're ultimately eliminating, you know, your fee, saving you a ton of money, they're giving you equipment which protects you by having contactless transactions. And in addition, you know, we're educating the merchant on little things like, you know, opening up your do doors, pushing a table up to the, you know, to the doors to allow customers not to have to fully enter your business. Obviously, all of these new things because of, of covid so in essence, we're simply providing a service. And to tell you the truth, at the end of the day, remember the key. If they don't like cash discounting for any particular reason, which, of, of course, James, you've mentioned it so many times, I don't 95% of merchants stay on board. They love it. But if they don't, listen, they can always go back to traditional right. at a reduced rate, right? Regardless, we're all pre-programmed to do a reduction, right? So what do you do? They, they want to switch back. So you switch them back and you give them a right. better rate than they had before, like what we've always been doing for the past, you know, 10, 15 years. Exactly. Right. And at that point, you've already got the account. You've already got the relationship. It's it's much easier to have your support staff that actually does understand the industry to flip them to traditional than it is to have an agent out in the field trying to explain it. You got it. And, and initially, if you think about it, when I first rolled this program a long time ago, my biggest selling point was to my existing, uh, my existing merchant base. It was like, hey, I'm offering this program. And to this day, my traditional clients just keep on little by little are just jumping ship and going over to the cash discount to <laughs> sure. try for free platform. Sure. sure. Yeah, it's like, why not, why not yeah. try it? So, okay, so one more question here on the agent side. So we talked about, you know, Patty was asking about the recruiting. How do we find the right people? And we've already alluded to this, but once you get the right person, how do you get them activated? Is there, you know, what are these processes that you use to help them and guide them through getting those first two, three, four deals under their belt? Exactly. So, I mean, it's all about the, tra the, the training system, right? I, I call it my assembly line. So, of course, based on different experiences, we, we group experience, excuse me, we group these individuals into different classes. So when you're talking about a green agent or a new person to the industry, they're going to go right away uh, into uh, uh, about a two, two and a half hour class. Uh, initially, we explained the opportunity at hand because the first thing you want to do is to get these people's attention. You need to show them this great opportunity, right. life-changing opportunity, and you need to explain to them, you know, uh, what's going on. Why do business owners need this? Why, why are you in such demand? And then, obviously, we go, you know, into the thick of it, of, of everything. And to tell you the truth, we initially start by educating them on traditional. And I think in order to really understand the opportunity with cash discounting, you first have to understand traditional. Right. So sure. what we do is we initially explain, we have a graph, you know, it shows the comparison. Hey, they used to pay this, all this great stuff, statement fees, all this. And then honestly, we, we use our knowledge and we, we junk fees and we, we, we speak negatively a little bit. And then we explain to them all the, pos the positive aspects of cash discounting. And then we just go on and obviously we have training videos and uh, that, that's the training aspect. Now, of course, a person is only as good as, right, following up with them and helping them. So what we actually do is uh, we have a pretty good presence in all major cities. We have at least one representative that is, has been with us for a while. So what we like to do is try to pair that individual with a person who's actively out there, and then they shadow that individual. Now, that person obviously is compensated, uh, you know, split conversation from our house side. 
So they, the, the individual agent who's shadowing them does not you know, lose a percentage or anything right. like that. They actually shadow this person, and that person guides them typically through the first 10 deals. Now, besides the first 10 deals of shadowing, we have strategic classes that say, for example, when you, when you did two deals, you move on to an advanced training. When you break five deals, we, we cover leasing. We cover uh, POS integrations. We get a little bit more complicated because obviously we see the individuals committed. Right. And then when they break 10, we really get deep into, uh, we, we like to do full onboard uh, Zoom trainings where we physically show them the equipment if they're not obviously on the Northeast where we are in New York City. Uh, we show them the physical equipment. We guide them through the most popular systems. You see, James, I don't, I don't shy away from uh, Adelo or R Power or you know, micros integrations. Uh, that's where I feel hmm. that a lot of companies are just putting out terminals and they're like, yep. oh, oh my goodness, you're calling me. Uh, this person has Cayenne. Oh, what are we going to do? I think that's the greatest business opportunity to integrate with, with POS systems and educate you guys to, to integrate with them. Yeah, I agree. It's I, that's a great point you bring up because I think I think one of the big mistakes that's been made with cash discounting thus far is that the whole industry was shifting away from the standalone terminal and towards solutions that were going to add more value to the merchant and protect us against external co competition, um, payfacts, you know, uh, that that want to compete with our model. And then with cash discounting, everybody was like, well, with this, we're just going to do standalone terminals again. <laughs> it's like, why? Why would we need to do that? You know, it's Definitely not, not. Yeah, it's not that mean, hard to integrate. If you think about it, yeah, I mean, let's face it, the large volume merchants, what we make the bulk of our money is is the POS guys. I right. mean, the, uh, don't get me wrong. I have individual merchants that I, to this day, they cross hundreds of thousands on terminal level. But really, I just, I really see the opportunity with figuring out how to integrate with POS system. Yep. Those are the big players. Those are the big merchants. Those are the big opportunities. And, you know, I always say this, <laughs> If you just strike one merchant of, you know, a couple of hundred grand a month in processing volume and you bring that, that deal over to Swipe for free, I mean, you can change your life with that one deal. That's crazy. Financially. Yeah. It really is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. You know, it's funny. What opened my eyes to this, Chris, was about a year ago, I was doing, uh, I had an a individual agent who had signed up for our six-week jumpstart program where it's like, you know, I'm doing one-on-one -on -one coaching. And, you know, I'm doing the initial discovery call. Tell me about yourself. What are you trying to accomplish? You know, how can I help? And she's like, she's like, I only sell cash discounting to restaurants doing over a hundred thousand dollars a month in volume. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, Whoa. what do you mean? That's not even possible, you know? And then well, she's like, <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, she sends me her, she sends me this file with like 30 statements all cash discount, all over 100000 a month, all restaurants. And I was just oh blown God. away, like, wow, okay. What a nice lifestyle she's living. Yeah, so she's trying to get from, you know, <laughs> twenty grand a month to fifty grand a month in residual. Um, and it's like, okay, wow, this this is interesting. So, yeah, I agree. I think uh, – and, and, again, she was integrating with Odello and Micros and everything else, and that's, yep. that's how she was, you know, making it work. Okay, so – We've talked about the agent side of things. Um, I, I, I want to dive in here for just a minute with, with cash discounting. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of different opinions out there about, you know, what is the compliant cash discount program. I think everybody knows enough about me to know that I'm pretty much a fan of just about all of them at this point. I think, you know, I think generally speaking, everybody has their opinion and whatnot. But can you give us a little context so everybody understands when you're talking about swipe for free, what exactly do you mean by cash discount and how do you kind of implement that in a compliant way? Well, uh, very early on, and, and since I feel like I had a really, really strong jump, I mean, I, I launched this program back in late, uh, early, excuse me, early 2016. So at the time when I, you know, when I reached out to industry expert attorneys, 
which everybody who's on this podcast knows them, they honestly didn't even know the answers to the questions that I had. Right. But through a lot of research and through, you know, reading all the card brand rules and things like that, um, I was basically just guided in the direction where, hey, you just can't call it a fee. Obviously, along with all the other guidelines, you can't exceed 4%. You need signage at the point of sale, things like that. I just was told and I, and I valued right away that, hey, don't call it a fee. Um, so obviously everybody went towards the cat, you know, the adjustment or, um, you know, that language I personally, and my only decision why I didn't want to call it a non uh, a non cash adjustment was that it just didn't fit on the receipt. And I didn't like the ABJ yeah. and I wanted yep. my consumers and both my merchants to really understand what's happening and feel comfortable. So I simply went with the language, a non cash charge. All right. And my, and my site, my, and what I was guided towards is that, listen, this business has a, a 4% discount pre-priced into all items and services and any purchase made with a credit or debit card will remove the discount and, and will be displayed as a non-cash charge on your receipt. I mean, it's very simple to this day. As long as you explain to your merchants, it is the same model as a gas station. All right. There is a cash price and obviously a credit price and the credit price is greater. Right. Okay. That's pretty much it guys. It's not rocket science. You know, right. when I explain that to anybody who I meet on the street, which by the way, anybody you explain to what you do, their head spin there. They think it's the greatest uh, thing ever. They don't believe it. The funniest rebuttal is, Hey, how does this is really work? Is this, is this, right. is this? Too so good to be true. Once you really just break it down and you just say, Hey, listen, why is it a price per gallon is X in cash lower? And why are you paying a higher price in, in credit or debit? The answer is very simple. The merchant has to pay a lot more money to accept that payment. And then the right. other answer is, Hey, why are you not rewarding your cash paying customers? Why are your credit card customers walking around with all this great rewards, airline miles, all this fun stuff, and your cash pay uh, customers have no, no incentive? Why is it that we all choose to not pay cash? Well, what reason do I have to? To be honest with you, if there is an incentive like saving some money, right, I'm going to pay cash if it's a large enough transaction. All right? So, I mean, it's really that, non-cash charge. That's my language. I like that. Yeah, I like that. And it, so, you know, I think to clarify, and then I want to I want to dig a little deeper into this, but it's like to clarify, you know, for about four years now at scale, you've been building an ISO where all non-cash transactions have a non-cash charge, which is added at the point exactly. of sale. And that's paired together with compliance signage um, and pricing, et cetera, to, you know, to inform the consumer. Is that accurate? Exactly. Exactly. And awesome. of course, we make sure that, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of MSPs or ISOs, you know, you guys have to make sure that there is signage at the door because, yes. you know, point of entry and there is signage at the point of sale, at the POS or point of sale terminal. Make sure that the customer base doesn't have to guess. You know, it's clearly stated on the receipt. We all know it has to be the same font and all that other good stuff. But just the stickers, I feel, are extremely important. And then, James, you actually hit it on the nose. You have to educate the staff. You know, explain to the staff. Right why it is that they're implementing this program. Don't let the customer get angry. Explain to them why, and honestly, at this point, explain why it's a necessity to implement this program because guess what? We want to stay in business. Yep. You know, we're at the point where we're keeping people in business. Uh, you know, this pandemic, James, prior to the pandemic, our, our biggest sales campaign was, you know, the, the, the minimum wage increases, you know, stop losing customers because of your minimum signs, stop losing customers to, to the ATM because you want them to get cash and obviously they never come back. But listen, this pandemic is, is sadly, in my opinion, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I mean, at this point, I want my merchants to stay in business, and I feel like we're really a big part of keeping them in business by eliminating that fee. 
Sure. And, and I think, you know? yeah, I, I love it. And it's, you know, I, I, I want to do a little sidebar here for just a second. That's, you know, not necessarily swipe for free, just my personal opinion. Um, you know, and I'm not an attorney or anything like that, but it just, you know, I, I love this conversation because, you know, Chris, there's just so much conversation in our industry. And I think there's so much unnecessary confusion and even unnecessary, uh, you know, competition to the point of, well, yours is not compliant. Mine's compliant because I do this. And, and, you know, and it's like, hold on, everybody. Like, we're, we all want the, at the end of the day, there are these programs where the consumer is going to pay less if they pay with cash. So far, Visa has not seemed to have any interest in taking meaningful action in any way, uh, whatever, whatever you think their opinion is. We have the Durban Amendment protecting uh, the freedom of the merchant to price however they want. We have the Expressions Hair Design Supreme Court case where the Supreme Court is saying that merchants have a, a right of free speech to, to inform the consumer of their price any way that they see fit. So I think we're at a point where the, the you know, train has kind of pulled out of the station. <laughs> so if you're not on board yeah. yet, you know, it's definitely time to look at this. And again, I think it's great. We, we did an interview recently with, uh, you know, a different ISO that has a totally different approach that I was like, wow, that's super ingenious. I think that's great. You know, there's all these different approaches out there. And, and I think it's I think it's just great that you've been running this model for four years, um, you know, with the profit that you have. So so let's talk about this. Let's talk about kind of the value of this. So maybe for those ISOs and agents that are like, well, I just still haven't gotten on the, the cash discounting you know, bandwagon yet. You know, you mentioned in an email to me, Chris, about your slogan you, you brought on you know, really early on four years ago, this, you know, race to zero ends now. Um, can you talk about that and, and maybe what this cash discounting program has meant as far as difference and results for yourself, for your agents, for your margins, you know? Yes, of course. So, yeah, back in, you know, late 15, early 16, um, the profit margins just when I was analyzing my residuals, um, I mean, they when I, like I said earlier, when I started in 2007, I think. We were probably in the ballpark of 100 to 150 basis points. Um, and, you know, even then I knew that it would just be a matter of time before the merchants would get overeducated. And, that, and that's what our, our, our industry really did. We overeducated the merchants. Right. So wh when your whole sales tactic is, hey, let, let me show you how much you're paying and, and how, you know, how much you're paying, and then you're reducing that, listen, another guy's going to come in or a woman is going to reduce it, and you're going right. to reduce, 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 right? right. So we, we, we ended up, and, I, and I'm going to call myself a very honest person in this industry. So when you, when you look at a statement or you're training your teams, right, and you're looking at a statement that's three basis points, right, what are you supposed to do, okay? There's nothing else you can possibly do. It's not even worth the gas right. to drive to that merchant to sign them up. So when mm -hmm. I saw that, hey, a lot of my competitors or just people, and you know, it's funny, I call it the new blood, the new people started getting in. A lot of deceptive selling uh, came to life, right? Well, if you're looking at a statement that's three basis points, yeah, well, oh, you're paying 4%, 3%, you know, uh, a lot of lying. And then at that point, I said, you know what, I'm not going to train my sales teams to lie. I'm not going to do a fake analysis. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to tell the truth. And at that point, I said, poof. It's just a matter of time before literally, uh, you know, there's no more profit margin. So, again, I, I don't want to get too much into my story. A lot of good luck. Uh, and I was introduced into uh, cash discounting class surcharging. Back then, it was really a surcharging topic. So at that particular time, I figured out and I said and I released it to the public and I said to the market, hey, it's just a matter of time before you end up at zero, zero residual, you know, um, retention levels were horrible. I mean, I, I think my average lifetime of a merchant back then blended was probably under two years. I mean, we, we, we had a problem with attrition. So once we, we introduced cash discounting, 
I mean, it, it, there's just an explosion. Uh, obviously, profits anywhere from 150 to 200 basis points, like you mentioned earlier, you sign, you know, if you go out and you sign 10 deals a month, that process, say a typical business, at least I'm dealing with, does about 15 grand. I mean, you're making a great living. Obviously, you're activating bonuses. You're getting lease revenue. It's a lot easier to sell leasing and things like that. So it just changes your life. I mean, when, when I introduced cash discounting, my, my existing teams, uh, my seniors, I call them, they laughed at me. They said, oh, what are you doing? This is a waste. They actually <laughs> use the terminology. Why are you reinventing the wheel? Oh, why, what, what is this for? Because I knew that it was just a matter of time, right? Plus, being in charge of sales, it's, it's, it's not very easy to, to duplicate and replicate these, these guys that have these super niche you know, businesses where they're able to go out and sign big traditional accounts. I was in the, the business of bringing on reps, and, and it was very difficult to get a person to, to join an industry that really would take so long to make, to make an income. So what cash discounting did was it skyrocketed or sped up the ability to make a great living with a great asset, which is the residual. So it changes people's lives. Guys, during this pandemic, I, 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 my phone explodes with, Chris, thank you so much. Or, you know, my agents are so, we're so grateful, uh, James, right now, that we chose this industry or we're, we do this for a living because uh, people are suffering and it's really sad and we're, and we're making a living. Right. We're making a good living through these times. And, and we're just right. grateful that we chose this route and, it, and it's a residualized income. So we change a lot of people's lives working together. Right, right. Yep, yeah, good stuff. So, all right, so last thing I want to ask you about um, before we get into some specifics about Swipe for Free, um, you had mentioned to me uh, in kind of prep for this interview some collaborations you'd worked on with ATM companies, and this is something Patty and I actually have talked about on the podcast of kind of the synergy between cash discounting and the ATM industry. So I'm just kind of curious, can yeah. you give us a, a sketch? Like, what do, you, what do you do with ATM companies? How's that work? Great, great question. So very early on, as we were signing up a ton of merchants, especially here in, uh, you know, in the, in the Northeast, um, ATM, ATM vendors would call us to yell at us and say, hey, you know, ever since you implemented cash discounting, you're hurting, you're hurting our withdrawals, you're hurting our, our ATM. So at the time, I would tell them, hey, listen, calm down. You know, why don't you just join us? Why don't you come over and talk to us? We think it's a great opportunity. So Obviously, if an ATM vendor or, or already has a strong relationship, okay, they already have a strong relationship with merchants, they're trusted, right, as a financial provider because obviously they're providing the, the, the money that goes in the ATMs, and a lot of them obviously profit share with the merchant. So that synergy where they're trusted by the merchant for me just was a great opportunity to say, hey, wh why don't you just go back out? Okay, and, 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 and explain this product to them, cash discount, how you're limiting the fees. And it was just basically a no-brainer. Plus, a lot of these people used to sell traditional pro uh, processing, and I think a lot of people right. in general used to be in the industry. They just stopped, and they said, hey, it's not worth it, or um, you know, there's too many headaches uh, by bringing on credit card processing. Um, right. you know, it brings me headaches versus giving me profits, sure. and it hurts my relationship with the ATM. So at this point, it, this actually cash discounting actually creates it creates a stronger relationship with the merchant. So instead sure. of thinking of it as a negative thing, it's right. actually a very it glues the merchant now to rather than one service, you're now providing two services, and now you're trusted for two financial services. So for me, if you already have contacts like an ATM vendor, you know you have, even if, whether you have hundreds or whether you have tens or thirty. 
and you're able to go back to these people that trust you and just offer them a new financial product, I mean, these people feel comfortable. It sounds really great coming from somebody they've already been doing business with for so many years. So yes, it's been a great synergy. Uh, it's one of my biggest markets right now, teaming up with these guys. And, and it's funny, James, <laughs> we market that cash is really bad, right? Because it helps credit card processing and they market that cash is great and credit cards are really bad, right? They carry right, the advice. Right. So <laughs> well, either approach really works fine for cash discounting. Because I'm so involved right? in, in watching both industries, right. how they, they have opposite views. But the point is it's a match made in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have to agree. In fact, I, I remember early on, I, uh, saying to people, it's like, well, you know, if somebody offered me a cash discount, I'd gladly go pay the dollar at the ATM, even if I'm only getting a 50 cent discount, because <laughs> there's something well, about, you know, exactly the idea that. of using yeah. that ATM, you know, I feel like I'm helping the ATM vendor. And what you're saying is now the ATM vendor can, can sort of, uh, ride both sides of the fence, right? Exactly. So, I mean, perfect example with the minimum signs, right? You know, mm -hmm. in New York, especially where, where we're located, hey, $20 minimum. I right. mean, if you ask a business owner, how many clients a day or, or customers do they lose because they say, hey, go over to the ATM. And then honestly, think about it, to go spend to whatever, $3.50, $3 to withdraw your money, plus get a penalty from your bank because it's a non, say, Bank of America ATM. I mean, why would you do that to pull out 20 bucks or 18 bucks to buy some pizza for your family? So mm -hmm. actually they used to leave the business and, 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 and not, you know, not come back. So, uh, you know, by doing this, we hurt the ATMs. Okay. And, uh, ultimately they enjoy doing business with us because now, you know, this is in their opinion, and I don't want to speak for all of them. A lot of them think this is the greater opportunity of the two, which for is sure. cash discounting versus the ATM. Certainly a lot, a lot less headache to, to execute. <laughs> so, Oh, goodness. Um, you know, guys, they have to vault. They have to I mean, refill they, they, they the take, ATM they take machine. take a risk. Yeah, to yeah. fill up the cash and everything. For sure. So, yep. it, let, you know, much I, easier. it's funny. I just realized something, Chris, that some of our listeners might actually be a little confused with what we were just talking about because it's like, how would this be hurting ATMs? And you just said it, but I want to clarify it, which is, you know, a lot of these businesses, they had these minimums. You know, you have to spend at least 20 bucks or whatever because they have the ATM machine over there. They don't want to pay the credit card processing fees. So that was driving people to the ATM machine. Whereas with cash discounting, whether the person spends 20 bucks or 30 bucks or 10 or whatever, you know, you're eliminating the payment processing fees on that transaction. So now that merchant isn't driving their customers over to the ATM machine. But what you're saying is because the ATM companies partner with you, they're now selling the cash discounting. So they're making a really good profit on that side. And of course, any cash transactions are making money there. So they're kind of able to make money on all the transactions in the store. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? You hit it on the nose. Okay, cool. Exactly. What right. about the, what about the reverse, Chris? Cause it would seem to me that if you're, you know, you're running a store, you don't have an ATM in there, you're, but maybe you're off offering cash discounting. Does it increase the value of putting for, you know, turn to your ATM partners and say, hey, you might want to sell ATMs to these guys because they don't have ATMs yet. You know what I'm saying? I mean, does, it, does the reverse work as well? Um, to tell you the truth, a lot of these guys, um, they're, they're kind of really, so it's like a grandfathered business. A lot of them, you know, they put out a, a ton of these ATM machines and they're servicing them and, you know, and now they're doing cash discounting and they're actually just completely focusing on the cash discounting because, Okay. Uh, it's just so much work and so much effort to go and take care of these things. And then there's just so much risk involved, right. uh, you know, with theft, theft and things like that. I mean, it's, it's a very tough business. You, you know, you have to drive to each location. You got to fill them up. If you, if you pay for vaulting, I mean, it, it's just very, 
very expensive. So a lot of these guys just completely made the shift. I mean, they're still servicing their relationships, but I mean, they're really focusing on working with us on cash discounting. So okay. I think actually, yeah, it's, uh, it's been pushing them more so towards cash discounting. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So uh, Chris, this has been such good information. It's like, I just know I want to, I always say this after most of my interviews, it's like, I just want to keep talking about this stuff because it's so interesting, but we've got a couple minutes and I, I don't want to end this before we learn a little more about swipe for free. So can you talk to the ISOs and agents that are listening right now? And number one, can you tell them a little bit about the swipe for free opportunity? What types of people are you kind of looking for? Uh, you know, uh, any information you want to give about that? And then secondly, where would you send uh, those individuals to learn more about opportunities that you have for resale? and ISOs. Sure, sure, James. Look, starting out as an ISO myself before we grew into an MSP, we have programs geared from every level, introductory level, all the way up to full white labeling. Okay, we have, we have full offices, which if you probably know their brands, they're out there, you wouldn't know that they're underneath us. Uh, we have a proprietary CRM, which gives the ability to create a hierarchy. So a lot of people ask us, they say, hey, I have 20 or 30 agents, you know, how do I pay them, things like that. We have a system, we own it, we don't, you know, we don't sell it out to any competitors. It was built, customized for us and for this use. So we have a full, full ability to, to pay individuals. You know, a lot of ISOs ask, they say, hey, we don't want you to know our rep's names. I understand that, they want security. You know, you enter them, we are able to report to you how much to pay them and you pay out yourself. Uh, we also really look at the individual's needs, right? We don't do the whole, hey, you know, this bonus and this residual split, we really look at your particular needs. Like some people want heavy bonuses, maybe a lower split because they need to infuse their business with capital versus the, you know, the seniors I call the guys that have been in the business a long time where their biggest thing is, Hey, I need a high split and I need a great servicing platform. I want a white label. I want my own statements, you know, my own uh, credit card processing statements. I want my own everything reporting. When I log in your CRM, I want my reps to see my name and we're able to service basically all levels of individuals. So I think that's what really, really makes us a, a, a lot different. We don't try to push people into a box. We really create that around their particular financial needs. Love it. Love it. Awesome. And, so where, where okay. do you send them to, where do you send them to learn more about swipe for free? Yes, yes, of course. So if you're interested, please go to swipeforfree.com. Again, guys, it's the number four, not F-O-R, swipe, the number four free.com. Okay. You can go to become a partner page, fill out the questions. You, uh, that's number one. If you would like to, to call in, it's 855 three four five zero zero four zero but again the best place to go is to go to uh, swipeforfree.com swipe the number four become a partner and uh, fill out the questions and we'll have one of our uh, uh, iso specialists reach out to you awesome well thank you so much for your time chris i really appreciate it great information i know our audience is just going to get a ton of value from the information you provided today so i appreciate it yeah really great thank insights you. chris thanks Guys, I'm a big fan of you, and thank you so much for the opportunity, and I think it's amazing what you guys are doing, educating the market and just keeping us up, up to speed always. Thank you. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. Okay, James, uh, we have some good news out of Washington. Uh, Congress has approved and the president signed into law on uh, the 5th of June, the uh, Paycheck Protection Flexibility Act. Okay. 
uh, Paycheck Protection Program Flexibility Act. Right. Um, it the new this new uh, it's you know basically an amendment to the Paycheck Protection Program. Right. That triples the amount of time small businesses have to disperse funds received under the program. Right. And it reduces the share of funds that has to be spent on payroll in order to qualify for forgiveness. Right. Right. Okay, so just to give a little bit of background, the PPP leverages the SBA's lending programs and was launched in April as part of that massive coronavirus stimulus package called the CARES Act. Right. And it you know, was meant to offer relief to small businesses hard hit by the coronavirus and by offering low interest 1% loans to uh, qualifying businesses, um, loans up to $10 million. Right. And then it also just, as an aside, it includes uh, provisions for not-for-profits, veteran organizations, tribal concerns, self-employed, sole proprietorships, and of course, most important to our listeners, independent contractors. Right. And it and it actually was originally, um, you know, the amount you could get was kind of predicated on roughly eight weeks of payroll. Right. And actually, what was interesting is it was predicated on 10 weeks of payroll, but you had to spend it in eight weeks. Right. Well, you had to spend it in eight weeks and you could um, spend part of it on something else. Right. It had right. to be like 75%. Yeah. Right. It was pretty tight, though. Yeah, you definitely had to be on the ball to make sure you were spent all the money correctly. Spent all the money correctly, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and another important point is that you know, there's still, I think we've, we've discussed, there's still money left in that kitty, right, but it right. has, you have to apply by the end of June to qualify. Right. I mean, that's, that's the program shuts down. Right. Okay. So, and, 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 you know, there's uh, all together about $660 billion was allocated in the two rounds of funding for this wow. program. That's a staggering amount of money. <laughs> staggering amount I mean, of money. that, that, that's a, Six hundred and sixty billion. I mean, up until you know, let's say ten years ago, right? Um, that would have been. I think that would have been the largest single-year deficit. Yes. Le- like exactly. in other words, the largest single-year deficit prior to ten years ago would probably have been three hundred and fifty billion. About that, yeah, yeah. And and this and, is, and, and we're and, and we're already in the deficit. So that six hundred and sixty billion is all deficit. Uh, right. And so, anyway, I just had to that throw just, that in it there. It blows my mind too. No, it blows my uh, mind too because you know all these deficit hawks. Um, you know, where does that go? Um, and I also remember when I first started covering Washington, there was a uh, who was it? I think it was Everett Dirksen, one of the Senate Banking Committee chairmen from back in the seventies. Uh, he said, uh, "A billion here, a billion there. Pretty soon, you're talking real money." You know, yeah. and I was thinking when I was looking at this, it's like now it's a trillion here, or a trillion. Yeah, there, right? exactly. It's that's true. I mean, it, it's it's, it's insane. It's a, I mean, it's you it's know, insane. But. I mean, there's part of me that says, and and this is you know probably the liberal in me that says, you know, the government would have been better off just handing out checks to everybody. Well, know? they did like, that too. They did that too. That's true. Yeah, they did both things. So. <laughs> You know, I mean, well, and it's interesting, I mean, because obviously we're, we're you know, on our, our rabbit trail off of payment processing, but I just think it's so interesting how that, you know, year after year, it seems like, you know, administration after administration, Republican, Democrat, doesn't really matter. What happens is that 
Republicans cut taxes and Democrats uh, want to increase spending. And both of them together, you know, it's like we, we keep lowering our revenue and we keep increasing our spending. Increase. Right. And right. you're like, I mean, you know, eventually that does not like that does not work out very well long term. But anyway, you know, it's yeah, a topic yeah. I mean, for I mean, another and day. And just right? sort of throw it out there. It's like, you know, all these, quote, businessmen. Right. Right. It's like. You couldn't run your own business this way. This no. is how you're running our country. No. I mean, but I wow. guess, I guess, in fairness, and and I mean, again, I took payroll protection program money, so so did I. Yeah, I mean, I guess, in fairness, you know, this was obviously an unprecedented situation, and so it's like this is one of those situations where I think most Americans agree that deficit spending was was necessary. Was necessary. It, it would just be nice sure. if we hadn't spent the last ten years. Uh, deficit spending when it wasn't necessary. <laughs> I, I agree. I so, agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, but anyway, that, back so. to the payroll anyway, protection back program. To the payroll Go ahead. Protection Act, you know. So, yeah. okay. So they, you know, as it originally was, you had eight weeks to spend it and had to spend 75% of the money on payroll. Right. Now you have 24 weeks right. to spend the money. Right. And you can qualify for forgiveness if you um, only disperse 60% on payroll. Right. Right. Okay, so and, and, and for a lot of people, I think that's important. I mean, from my understanding, particularly restaurants. Oh, for sure. I mean, know, they couldn't bring they, their people back. They couldn't bring the people back. Right. And now they're slowly bringing people back. Right. And, and I've talked to some restaurant owners who say we've had, you know, we're increasing the salaries that we're giving people so sure. that they'll come back, <laughs> you know, because. Sure. There's a little bit, there's a lot of They're getting there unemployment. Well. Right, right. Right. And then they also sort of have, you know, uh, uh, I'm sure you've heard this as well. I, you know, several people I talked to were making more money on unemployment than they were at their jobs. Right. Because of the money that the feds were kicking in. So, right. You know, you kind of have to, I think a lot of employers boosted the salaries for especially for restaurant workers uh to compensate for some of that right um yeah and, and you know one, one thing too i want to point out uh, as you kind of go through the specifics of this um you know interestingly i i think as a business owner you had to be like living in a cave not to know about the payroll protection program the last couple months agreed, right agreed, um right. however however um you know, understand that this the reason that that happened is because there was a financial incentive for lenders to let people right. know that they could borrow money. No right. such financial incentive exists for this new piece of information. Um, right. You know, and so I think this is one of those things where sending an email out to your clients to give out the information Patty's about to share about, you know, and, and it's talked about a little bit. That's that's crucial because they may actually not get that information. Um, you know, I got it from my bank. Um, that's been very good at working with right. me, but a lot of them, you know, haven't shared this information. And so a lot of business owners are scrambling and, and a lot of them, you know, and, and to clarify, if, if I'm a restaurant, okay, and I spend, you know, let's say I'm a restaurant and I got in, in the early payroll protection program days. So right. I've already had my money for, let's say five weeks, six weeks. Right? right. So I'm already, this information comes out now. Well, great. I'm already six weeks in. I already spent most of the money on non-payroll expenses just to keep the lights on. Well, that's okay. 
what this means is now that same restaurant now has an additional you know, 20 weeks or 19 weeks, 19 weeks, right. Where they can still, even though they already spent the money they got from the payroll protection program, it doesn't have to be those dollars. They can now show proof that, Hey, we did have payroll. We did bring our people back and we had these other expenses that qualify utilities and whatnot. And now they have 24 weeks to basically, you know, spend the amount of money that they received on qualifying expenses. Even if they already spent those dollars on something else, they can spend new dollars on, on qualifying expenses and still get the loan forgiven. Yeah, and and let me just uh, throw something out there, James. Um, if any of our listeners, you know, is is looking for sort of a a quick and dirty fact sheet, yeah, send me an email, Patty P A T T I at greensheet.com. I'll help you out with that because awesome. I've done a lot of research on this. You know, I can just give you the bullet points. Like you, I got my well, I got my loan through a bank that was working with Wampley. Oh, and sure. mm-hmm. Wompley sent me an email that, you know, basically said, yep. hey, right. You know, and for me, it didn't matter as much because I got my right. loan pretty early on and I've spent most of the money on payroll. Right. So I'm fine, you know, right. but uh, if you're out there, you have restaurant clients or other clients that were shut down and are now reopening. This is important information to get out to them. Yeah, so absolutely. Let me let me just give you a few of the particulars. Yeah, okay? sure. Go for it. Uh, so under the new law. Any business receiving funds through the program between uh, June 5th, when it was signed into law, and June 30th, when the program shuts down, automatically gets 24 weeks to um, use the funds borrowed. Uh, Anybody who already had a PPP loan prior to June 5th can opt to extend the eight-week spending requirements to 24 weeks. Right. You have to opt that, you know, and then whichever period they choose, though, they're obligated to maintain payroll at pre-coronavirus levels for the entire period to qualify for forgiveness. Right. Okay. Uh, for Matt, well, we should say for maximum forgiveness because it's going right. to be a tiered thing. Right. Um, the um, Also, the legislation um, provides some wiggle room on loan forgiveness for companies that can't rehire employees um, that were laid off because of the slowdown. Um, businesses, for example, that cannot find qualified workers or, or are unable to restore business to pre-February levels due to coronavirus restrictions uh, can still qualify for forgiveness. Hmm. So like there's some states, uh, here in Maryland, for example, you know, we're still on uh, phase one of our reopening, right? Um, so there are still businesses like nail salons that aren't opening up um, and uh, or else uh, there, um, I, I saw, I got an email from my hairdresser, well, we're by appointment only, right? you know, things sure. like that. So their, their business is still going to be, you know, hit. Right. Um, and so, you know, that, that gives them a little more wiggle room. Sure. And there's one last point, which I think is really important um, in this new act, and that is um, PPP loan. That's a mouthful, isn't it? PPP loan. Yes. Uh, recipients <laughs> can now delay payment of their pay- payroll taxes, okay, incurred between March 27th and December 31st. Now, hmm, the, okay. the, CARE, the CARES Act had provisions that allow businesses to delay their share of the social security okay. payroll tax, sure. which is like 6.2%, I believe. Okay. Um, 
but under the CARES Act, the uh, PPP loan recipients were excluded from that relief. Oh, okay, got it. Sure. So it's okay. like, hey, we gave you this money. Keep paying your taxes. Keep, well, yeah, and that was basically what they're saying. Now they're saying, okay, you can still now delay your taxes, but that's a really convoluted thing. It's like you have to pay if you delay your taxes. Okay. Okay, you have to pay. Um, start. You know, you have to start paying equal amounts monthly equal amounts to pay down those taxes next year, but you only have to pay half those taxes by December 31st, 2021. The other half isn't due until December 21st, 2022. So let me see if I understand. So I think what you just said is that we could, our company could delay paying our payroll taxes this year. Right. And then starting next year, we would basically take the entire amount that's owed and it would be divided into 24 months, basically? Basically, yes. Okay. And then you pay it over the 24 months period. Pay it over the 24 months. I mean, uh, me personally, I mean, I get it. I I just, you know, to me, I hate that kind of stuff. I mean. Oh, I I do too. It's like, I don't want to have that hanging over Right. Why on earth? I mean, I'll take free money if you're going to give it to me, but I'm not, (laughs) I don't want to owe you. I'm with you exactly. You know, I kind (laughs) of joked. It's like, hey man, I'm, you know, I'm in my sixties and I got my first government handout. Right. 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 Um, But, and and I'm happy for that, but I mean, it's like, no, why would I want to like, Delay the payroll taxes for this year for another two years. Right, right. Have that hanging over my head, unless I was really, really stuck. Yeah, know? I guess. It, I guess if it's like, hey, we're you know we're on the verge of going out of business, we need to like you know uh, we Pay need all the help we can get. Sure. And I think also, of course, you know, you know, we I think just by the nature of our business, we think in terms of restaurant retail. But, you know, there's other businesses like, um, you know, uh, factories um, and and things like that, where, you know, labor is almost like their only expense in a way where, you know, they literally, you know, because it's, you know, we I think we forget. I mean, payroll protection program is for a quote unquote small business, which means less than 500 employees. That's That's a a big business, in my opinion. So, in my opinion too. You know, so if I have, you know, if I'm really struggling and I've got 450 employees, you know, right. being able to lay 6.2% of their payroll cost is That's a, a lot. That's a big deal. So, yeah, I could right. I could see it and maybe they look at it too as like maybe what they're really going to do is they're going to um, you know, I mean this is basically a 0% loan, I guess is the way some people would look at it. Right. Because it's, a, you know, right. cash is cash. Right. So maybe they look right. at it like this is a zero percent loan. Why wouldn't we take advantage of it? So I could definitely see it in certain businesses. I mean, for me personally, I'm not a big fan, but I could definitely see it. I agree. I'm, I'm with you. I'm not a big fan. But, you know, I hadn't thought about the factories until you said that. But, you know, there's been a lot of talk and a lot of reporting about how a lot of factories, you know, they're because the workers are so close together the breakouts are pretty bad there. Right. Right. Sure. So one, so one would think that, I mean, at least if I was running a factory and I remember, I, I don't know about you, but you know, when I was in college, I worked in factories, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you really are on top of each other. And if you have to start, you know, uh, amending those work arrangements, so people are further away, sure. that's a costly proposition for sure. For sure. You know, yeah. And if they're going to have to do that, maybe they, maybe this is a place where they can save money and do that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I, I yeah. don't know enough about the way they're run, but right. I do remember when I worked in a factory though, it was, uh, 
I mean, literally you were on top of each other, you yeah, know, um, yeah. I was, I was on an assembly line and it'd be like, you know, maybe we had two or three feet away from each other. Right. Right. You know um, what, uh, you know, I was just thinking of, I should share in here that was kind of interesting. Um, just yesterday I finally was able to get a haircut, <laughs> you know, uh -huh. I was like, yes. You noticed, you see, I got, I actually got mine buzzed. I I'm see so that. Tired. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I, I didn't get mine buzzed, but pretty close, you know. Pretty close. So anyway, I went uh, to, you know, uh, the hair place I go, and um, I was talking to the, the owner always cuts my hair, and she pro processes credit cards with me, of course. So, of um, you know, we were talking, and I said, hey, I said, well, I haven't talked to you in a long time. I said, you got your payroll protection money, right? And she's like, no. She's like, what? she's like, no, the bank really, you know, kind of gave me a hard time, and, and they didn't process my paperwork in time, and all, and I'm like... What? Ooh, like, no, 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 no. There's no, 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 still no. money in there. Like, what is wrong with you? Go get your money. And so anyway, yeah. and so it was just interesting, you know, kind of as an example of like, you know, the value you can add. I mean, here's this this lady processes credit cards with me, has for, I don't know, eight years or something. And right. I've made $40 a month or something off of this business for the last eight years. So, right. you know, nothing much. Not, yeah. Right. Not, not monthly. It's not a lot, but I mean, hey, you know, I'll take it. So, yeah. um, you know, the fact is I was just able to make her, I don't know, probably an extra $15,000 yesterday um, right. by telling her, you know, no, you don't need to do this, you know, and I'm like, here's what you're going to do. I literally, while I, after my haircut, I called the, so, you know, at the bank, I have a big business account and everything like that. I called up the, the bank manager and said, Hey, <laughs> you know, take care of this, uh, you know, Michelle, you know, I'm going through this whole thing and what does she need to do? She's right here. I'm going to put her on the phone and I'm literally like dealing with this right? and, you know, um, she'll get her money, I'm sure. Um, and you know, that's, you know, that's 15 grand. I mean, do you think she's ever going to cancel credit card processing with me? I mean, not that she would have anyway, but you but know, that's the value that you can deliver right. to your clients. And, and right. I'll tell you the same thing. I had a similar experience with a friend of mine who has a small company and I said, Hey, you know, right not long after I got my money, I said, Hey, you get your money yet? She's like, Oh no, the money's run out. I can't apply. I'm like, no, no, they've refunded they, the money. They just added get more. In line, yes. You know? uh, it's just amazing. I mean, it to me it's it's staggering and it's um, you know, it's a testament to I think you know, the reality of being in a small business uh, and owning a small business. I mean, you have so much going on and the truth is you're not a financial genius. You're not no. uh, an attorney, you know? And so um, you're, maybe you're not super connected uh, in the community. And I think there's a lot of small business owners out there who, um, you know, unfortunately get left out of things like this simply because they don't know what's going on and they, right. and they hear something about it. And it's like, you know, their antenna for whatever reason didn't go up. So I think there's definitely still business owners out there. And I think one of the things I would definitely do as things are starting to open back up, I think it's our, as an industry that has regular, consistent, you know, interactions with small business owners, I right. think it's our, our duty uh, our moral obligation. So reach back out to our clients and just say, Hey, I just want to check in. Things are opening back up. Number one, did you get your payroll protection program money? Did it get deposited right. yet? You know, right. if not get on your bank and you'll know, remind these business owners. Like I reminded her, I said, I said, how many, how many heads of hair are you going to cut to make $15,000? Like, right. what are you doing? Right. Stop cutting hair and get your money. Like right. people are still going to need their haircut tomorrow. You've got to go get your money. Like this is yeah. $15,000. And she's like, you know what? You're right. I was just, you know, she was just very busy because everybody wants their haircut right now. And I said, sure, you got to take care of you. Go get your money. And right. so I think having those conversations with small business owners right now is just super important. 
super important, and I would encourage everybody to go out and start doing that. Yep. Awesome. Thanks so much for the update, Patty. Appreciate it. Sure thing, James. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard. All right, so Patty had a great question uh, today from Chris. He says, um, how do I work with resellers and ISVs and not against them? Mm, um, yeah. So this is a really, really good question because you know what he's talking about, of course, is a lot of times you, you walk into a merchant location, um, they already have a point of sale system. And right. so, you know, all of a sudden it's like, I need to integrate with this POS system if I'm going to be able to, um, you know, make the sale. And in many cases, and I know that Chris, he actually talked to him about the specifics of this one. Um, there was a merchant where, you know, they were already tightly integrated with another provider. And so he was trying to, to switch them over to his. So a couple of tips that I want to just talk about real quick um, with these companies. So the first thing I would tell you is, if you want to work with these ISVs and not against them, especially local companies, which is usually the problem, right. um, you really have to zoom out and you have to make it a larger relationship building experiment. Um, what do you mean by that, though? So, in other words, oftentimes salespeople reach out and it's like, hey, uh, I'm working with XYZ company and I'm trying to switch their processing and I don't know what to do. And the mm -hmm. person's like, I don't want you to switch their processing. They process right. through me. Right. So screw you, <laughs> you know, no. Right. Um, right. And then the reps like, what, what do I do? <laughs> you know, well, right. there's right. nothing you can do at that point. You already screwed up. So right. you're done. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. It sounds to me like you kind of like yeah. played your hand right yeah, away, like, right? That's it. You know, it's over. <laughs> so instead, what I always do is I always try to reach out with kind of more of an, you know, olive branch type situation. So I'll reach out and say, Hey, my name is James Shepard. Um, I'm a local business owner in the area. I'm involved in payment processing. And so I'm, I'm running into a lot of merchants that either already have your POS system and I've been really impressed with it or merchants that I have that I think could really utilize your POS system and would be a really good fit. Would we be able to grab lunch sometime and just talk about how we could collaborate together? You know, uh, let me just ask, let me ask you. So who are you reaching out to the ISV salesperson or? Yeah. So, so I reach out to the ISV which whoever right. picks up the phone. And so okay. you're, you're still going to have that gatekeeper conversation, you know, right, exactly. which is, Hey, I'm so a local I, well, business owner. And about. right. Yeah. You know, right. and, okay. and you, you really, and again, I'm, I'm assuming here that this is a local company because that's generally that what that's generally the situation that's being described here. A lot of times, you know, the POS system might be micros or Aldello or whatever, but you normally right. have this local distributor and the way the local distributor makes money is on the processing. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So first step is, you know, get past the gatekeeper, you know, have the conversation, invite them to lunch or, you know, whatever it is, just meet up and have a conversation. Sure. So when you're having this conversation, what you want to do is you want to approach it from the perspective of you becoming their new payment processing provider. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and so oftentimes you're going to have to work with your processing company on these deals. And so the, the, the short answer I could give you, Chris, is that it's a totally different sales process. 
Yeah. And it requires you to be a deal maker and a relationship builder, not just a salesperson. Yeah, um, that's the, the relationship is the really important is the really key there, right? I mean, because yes, what what you want is a relationship with that ISV that thing can bring in more sales and so forth. Exactly. So yeah. what I what I do is kind of step one is I establish the contact with them. Step two is I have a meeting with them. I talk mm-hmm. about their current payment processing and I say, look, you know, um, I'll be I'll just be straight with you. I mean, we're we're local. I feel like we should work together. Now I don't know what kind of deal you currently have as far as what kind of money you make off the the processing, but. I am very confident I can match or beat whatever you're getting now. So you would still get the same amount of money, right? Uh-huh. I just want to work with you. Now, what I would do is I would give you more, a higher percentage on the ones where you already have their processing now, you know, right. and I want to switch them over to mine. Um, and I would, you know, I'd give you a higher percentage there and then a lower percentage on the ones that I bring to the table. Sure. Sure. You know, so you can work out a deal like that. So then what you do, then the last step in the process is, you know, you kind of get towards the end of the conversation and they're like, okay, well, you know, and you're like, all right, what do we do next? And you're like, well, here's what I'd like to do. There's actually one account that I, that I was just talking to and that's Susan over at XYZ Cleaners. And I know they're using your system. And so why don't we do this? Why don't we work together on that integration? And Uh let's see if you can integrate with one of our gateways. Like, let's get that integration done first. I'll go ahead and give you your, you know, X percentage of my cut or whatever it is um, Mm -hmm. on that deal. And let's work on that one. And let's see if we can get through a couple of months with that first, where it's like we do the install together. Then you get paid for a couple of months from our company. Like, let's get the the bugs worked out. And then once we've done that, then let's see if there's some other opportunities for us to make money together. So, so the idea is you, you have to zoom way out and it's like, let's make this huge deal. Then you zoom all the way back down and all of a sudden you make this individual deal seem like kind of like no big deal. It's like a test account. Let's just see how it goes, see what happens. And what I find is honestly about two thirds of the time, we just do that one deal and that's it. Um, but guess what? I got the deal, which is what right. I wanted, you know, and right. it didn't take sure. me that long. I had to buy somebody lunch. Big deal, you know. Um, but then there's like the third of the time where you're like, wow, that was actually went really, really well. And, right. you know, you have other deals coming and then they start sending you business and you actually start creating some good relationships that way. Um, but again, yeah. worst case scenario, if you play your cards right, you actually do get the sale. Yeah, that sounds really actually it sounds very um relationship oriented and it that's is. the thing that i you know we've talked about this a lot about the relation this being a relationship business right it is yep and, and I, uh, it can really it can really work in your favor if you if you play your cards right with the isvs because again i mean the isv is you know i've, I've i don't know how, how many times patty i've said this on the podcast and on the videos but i think agents and isos i think they dramatically underestimate their value to an isv i agree yeah you know, they, they really do these isvs you know take one of them out to lunch You'll see mm-hmm. what I mean. Do you, yeah. you know, take it out to lunch. And when you get done with lunch, ask yourself a question. Do you think the person you just had lunch with lunch with is ever going to sell somebody? <laughs> right. No, I agree. I mean, it's, and you'll be it, like, no, it, it, it's not, it's not their tool. It's not in their, in their right. tool set really. Right. And so you they know, have, they have an a, afterthought for them. They have a salesperson, they have a billboard up, they do some marketing, you know, but they're not like selling They're they're order taking. And so right. for them to meet with a real salesperson, that's local. And, and that like as a sharp individual and stuff, you know, um, it is huge. And so I think Patty, the, the last thing that I wanted to mention about this, cause I think it has broader implications is that, um, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this and sound kind of kind about it, but, um, <laughs> it's, it, it may not be possible. Um, you know, there are a lot of agents out there uh, that, you know, simply put, if they go to lunch with someone, that person is not going to want to do business with them. 
Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. I, I, I don't, true. you know, like, you know, sorry. True. I don't know what yeah. to tell it to make you feel good. Um, but here's the truth of the matter, okay? If you want to be successful as a professional, become a professional. Right. Right? So what right. that means is that means read books. That means personal development. That means mm-hmm. get, that means take care of your health, right? Mm-hmm. Go mm-hmm. to the gym. Look at your diet. Like, you know, and you're like, James, the, what does any of that have to do with me closing an ISV? Oh, it does. Everything. Because you're going to sit down to lunch with them. And if they feel like you're not somebody they want to deal with and you're not professional, then they're not going to want to deal with you. You know, so, I, I, you I know. may have told you this story once before, but back in the 90s, I was doing conferences and I needed a credit card account. And this guy came, called on me, James, mm-hmm. and he was all disheveled. His shirt was wrinkled. You know, the jacket right. hadn't been dry cleaned in God right. knows how long. Right. And and I know this is this is perhaps sounds prejudiced, but he had a pot belly and his fingers looked horrible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like he had not right. really like taken right. care of himself. Yeah. And I was like, no, I'm not gonna do business with somebody like that. Yeah. Now and- I'm not saying there's everybody out there, but there like you said, there are a few people right. who are and and taking care of yourself in my mind uh, sends a message to anybody you want to work with that you'll right. take care of them. Well and, and you know, and I think the way to the way to summarize it in a way that's true and actually not offensive is it's it's not it's it's not how other people perceive you. They're gonna perceive you however you perceive yourself. Exactly. Right? If right. you are, you know, if you are 100% confident, if you can look yourself in the mirror and say, I feel successful, right. I feel professional, I feel confident, I believe in myself, you know, right. I believe I'm someone people should deal with. If you can sincerely look in the mirror and say that, then I don't care what you look like. You're fine. Right. Right. But right. if you can't, if you're looking yourself in the mirror and saying, I'm embarrassed of me. Well, then that's going to show. Game over. Yeah, yeah. So you have to then say, oh, oh, wait a second. All right. I got what do I have to do to get myself into a position to where I am confident about myself? Right. And right. if you don't. And again, it's funny answering a question about ISV <laughs> integration that leads into this. But it does, because yeah. if you aren't confident in yourself, you're not going to be able to form these relationships. You know why? Because you're not even going to schedule lunch. Right. Because right. you don't want to meet another professional in person. You're too right. nervous. You're, you know, it's like, no, no, right. no, no, no. You've got to get that confidence. And so really, I would encourage many of you listening right now, you know, take the time, look yourself in the mirror and, and say, am I confident with me? And if so, great. If not, what do I need to do to get to that point? I agree. I agree. And I think that really, you know, cuts across a lot of professions. I mean, I remember, you know, when I was younger and I, you know, when, when we would go to conferences and stuff, sure. right? And I'd be like on my feet all day, meeting with all kinds of vendors and everything. But every time, every morning, I would look in the mirror, I'd assess myself and say, okay, Patty, you got this. Yep. yep. You know, just give myself sort of that. Yep, yep. you got that this. That positive affirmation is crucial. Yep. So crucial. awesome. Well, I answered your question, Chris, and then some. So hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, James. Yeah, Thanks, buddy. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.